I've been praying about which passages to preach these final Sundays with you as your pastor, and um, it's been a pretty uncertain course through the scripture for me. You know, I like to preach through books of the Bible, just sequentially, just keep going through books of the Bible, uh, but it felt like with only a few sermons left, uh, I should hand select a couple of passages, and I landed on Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 for this morning, so that's the passage that I'd like to point you toward. And got a little confirmation about that this morning during our prayer meeting. Uh, Sarah was sharing how the Lord's been bringing pertinent scriptures to, to her mind in relation to all this transition we're approaching. And this morning's was this very passage. Uh, it was a little bit longer, uh, more verses than I planned to cover, but it, it was the passage in front of us. And then Ron said that it was a passage he had interacted with this week too. So I trust this is God's word that he, through answer to prayer, has put in front of us this morning. So I'm, I'm excited. I hope you're anticipating that he is here to, he's going to speak to us. He's going to speak to you and me through his word this morning. So let's pray before we read it and just ask him to help us to hear his voice in his word. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you that we can trust you with prayers of all sorts, including prayers like, what passage should I preach on Sunday? Thank you for putting this passage in front of us. Would you please speak to us through it? Would you please fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to not just stay mentally focused, although we need your help with that too, but to have open, receptive hearts and spirits to be able to hear your voice in this text and to be transformed by it. Draw us close to you through Jesus Christ and through the reading and preaching of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's just read the verses together and then I'll point out a couple of things. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this to the Christians in Philippi. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The passage goes on. It's a really good and rich passage, and I at first intended to preach the whole thing, but it got to be too much, so I limited it to these couple of verses. And I just want to start the way Paul does here, by expressing my thankfulness to God for you, my church family. Here Paul is is just saying, I thank God for you to the Philippian Christians, people that he had ministered to for years. And I think that's good and appropriate for ministers to do that and to express it out loud so that the people that we're grateful for are aware of it and hear it. And so I just want you to know that I'm really thankful for you. I'm thankful to God for you. I'm thankful for your faith over these years, the faith that I've seen God instill in you, our church family, and grow. I'm thankful for the way he has used you to encourage and strengthen my faith. I don't know if you realize what an impact you've had on me and my family over these years. I have grown as a Christian because of your faithfulness. I have grown because of your example of faithfulness in some extreme circumstances. I have watched you walk faithfully with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through some of the most difficult things one can experience in this life, through things that I've never 
experienced. And that has strengthened my faith significantly. I want to thank you too just for all the times that you have specifically chosen to try to encourage me and strengthen my faith. Uh, Many of you will remember times that you sent me a note or you sent me an email or uh, just a little uh, informal aside during a conversation in the foyer, Uh, times that you've shared with me things that you've been learning from Scripture. Uh, Some of those times have have meant a great deal to me, probably more than you realize. And so I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your obedience to Jesus as your Lord. Uh, Many of you have obeyed Jesus in some very difficult things. Uh, It's not always easy to obey Jesus as Lord. Trusting him as Savior is, is one thing. Practical obedience in day-to-day life and in, in difficult things and in repentance from sin, that's where your faith kind of has to get muscular and real and active. And uh, I'm grateful for what I've seen in obedience in you guys and our church family over the years. I'm grateful for your dependence on God through prayer and on the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for our little our little band of prayerful people that meet on Sunday mornings. It's always been a small group, uh, but I'm really grateful for those folks who have come and faithfully. We just, so simple, we just pray over whatever the Lord puts on our minds and pray for our church. Uh, but I'm really thankful for, for that. I'm thankful for our prayer chain email and uh, just the spirit of prayerfulness, the responsiveness in prayer that you guys have. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that time that uh, Lillian had inexplicable headaches that we couldn't figure out, and you guys all came around us and prayed for her. Uh, oh, I think it was on New Year's Day. It was a Sunday that fell on New Year's Day. Uh, and then right after that, the doctors finally cracked the code and figured out what was going on, and we were able to take care of her. She didn't have those headaches anymore. Uh, that's just one example that comes to mind. I'm thankful for your submission to the teaching of God's Word. We, we uh, under my, uh, my tenure here, we have been a very teaching-intensive church. Like that's probably the major thing that we do is a lot of teaching. And that comes because that's maybe more where my giftedness is. And um, I'm really grateful for your attentiveness to the word. Uh, You have stuck with me through some poorly delivered sermons, uh, but always attentive. Every once in a while, I see your eyelids get heavy. Um, And uh, some of the, some of the main culprits aren't in here right now. I would call them out on it, but they're not actually here. So that would just be mean. Um, but man, you guys have just been so attentive and receptive uh, and engaged with the Word of God, and, and not just in here, but otherwise, too. I'm just really grateful for that. I feel like we've grown in that. Um, I've told many of you, when I threw out the idea to do this study of this doctrine book to the men of the church, I did not expect the huge response that it got. This is like a textbook. This is not easy, um, but it's just another example. I'm just grateful that the Lord has developed in us a hunger and a receptiveness to his word. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how he has used you to advance the gospel in your families, in your workplaces, among your circles of influence. Uh, And in our community here, I feel like we're kind of reaching this tipping point where we're starting to become more and more a church of our community right around here. More folks from Arlington Forest uh, have joined us in trusting and following Jesus and I'm just really grateful for your faithfulness in that regard. And I could go on and on, but like Paul here, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy 
Um, I, but I don't just want to express my gratitude to you. I want to stir up in you gratitude for one another. Uh, just think of how God has blessed us by allowing us to be part of this church. For however long you've been part of the church, maybe do a uh, It's a Wonderful Lifestyle um, imagination experience of experiment of if you had not been a part of this church, uh, what all you would have missed out on, uh, what all God has developed in your life because he has put us in this church family together. Uh, it's just so good. Now, I know, of course, if you hadn't been part of this church, you would have been part of another church, and it would have been good too. But he chose to do it this way. And so I, I want to encourage you now, and maybe this afternoon or whenever you get a, a minute, just think about what a blessing your fellow church members are to you. Don't take it for granted. Uh, and as you are praising God for that and thanking God for one another, maybe get in touch with each other and thank each other for the blessing that folks in this congregation have been to you, uh, specific things that they might, may not be aware of that meant a lot to you. I think that would be really encouraging and strengthening to them to hear about that. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful for y'all's personalities. Um, for the, the good relationship that we have, I'm glad that this is uh, concluding on a good note and not a sour note where y'all just got sick and tired of my ugly face and told me to get out of here. Uh, but mainly, I'm thankful in the way that Paul is thankful here. In verse 5, he says, the whole reason he's so thankful and joyful as he thinks about this church family is because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm just really grateful for this partnership in the gospel that we have together. Uh, partnership just means it's like joint participation in the gospel. It's the word koinonia. It's sometimes translated fellowship. It's a, a sharing in the gospel, but it's more active than only receiving it. It's a participation in all that the gospel means together. We are in it together, in this whole gospel thing together. The gospel, of course, is the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. He has made a way for sinners like me and you to be forgiven and reconciled to himself because Jesus died on the cross in payment for our sins, and he arose from the grave, and he's our living Lord, and we participate in that together. We're partners in that together, and that's the main thing for us to rejoice in anytime, but especially right now as we're entering into this new, this new phase together. So, what does that mean that we are, we have a partnership in the gospel? That's a, a churchy kind of phrase. It's not immediately apparent what that means. And I just want to share with you three other verses in this first chapter of Philippians that make that a little more concrete. Because my hope is during this whole thing, what, everything that God is stirring up by kind of turning things upside down a little bit during this transition, we'll, we'll just re-energize our partnership in the gospel will reignite our zeal for the gospel and our grip on it and our determination to do our part as individuals in our partnership in the gospel. So first, I want to point you to verse 7 of chapter 1. What is Paul talking about when he is thankful for our partnership in the gospel? Verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
So in other words, as Paul is, he's in prison because of his apostolic ministry. And as he's in there, he's remembering the Philippian Christians, and he's just realizing, man, they've really been in it with me in every way that they can be. And we are sticking it out together for the gospel in a world that rejects it. So when I say I'm grateful for our partnership in the gospel, and I'm hoping that this, during this transition, we will all just double down on our partnership in the gospel. I mean that we will double down on defending and confirming it in a world that's rejecting it. That's what Paul has in mind here. Defending it is uh, the root word for the word we get apologetics from. It's when people say that's not true, we say, yeah, huh, because this, this, and this. Confirming it means holding it up, just holding up the gospel, keeping it up in front of people. You know, when people drive by just our physical building here, it is one little part of our partnership with all the other Christians defending and upholding the gospel. We're still here meeting in the name of Jesus Christ. When they see your car in the parking lot, it's you publicly holding up and defending the gospel. We're still here sticking it out in faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ in a world that is rejecting him. And when you are faithful in conversation with your uh, unbelieving co-workers and loved ones and friends out there, you are doing your part in this gospel partnership, defending and upholding the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I want you to actually think about your circles of influence. God has placed you there for your part of the work of defending and confirming the gospel. That's why he has Christians scattered out where he has us so that he can have a gospel witness in these places. So we come back together on Sunday morning, and we strengthen our resolve. We remember what's true together. We take a deep breath, and we go back out, and we defend and confirm the gospel together in whatever callings God gives us. And that doesn't change. Our partnership and our shared endeavor here uh, doesn't change, regardless if there's a change of um, titles or anything like that. So part of what he means by our partnership in the gospel is that we just uphold it together. Secondly, we advance it together. Look at verses 12 and 13 on down just a few verses. Philippians 1, 12 and 13. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul saw his circumstance through this lens. I've been imprisoned for the advancement of the gospel. And that's how he wanted the Philippians to view it too. This wasn't a setback to God's purposes to advance the gospel. This was part of his plans to advance the gospel. That's how Paul could view his imprisonment. That's definitely how we can view what's ahead for us as a church. To advance, that Greek word is, uh, I really like when Greek words put together two, two things, uh, like a, uh, forget, forget what it's called now, but a beginning part of a word, prefix, and then another word. And so that's what this is, it's a prefix that means in front of, and then the word itself means chopping. In front of, chopping. And it's the idea of, of going in front of someone who's trying to progress and like chopping down the trees or whatever's in the way so that the progression can be smooth. 
We tried to go on, on a little hike at Morrow Mountain after the hurricane swept through. And we walked up to the entrance to the hike, and there was a sign there that said, all trails closed because trees are down. <clears throat> but we didn't feel that that applied to us, so we went on. <laughs> and there were a few trees down, but meeting us on the way up were these two um, park ranger guys with chainsaws strapped to their backs. They looked like they'd just been through World War II. And they were like, is the trail clear up ahead? Because we were coming that way, and it, it had been fine. We said, yeah. And they said, okay, well, there's some big trees down over there. So their whole job was going to be sawing up these trees, removing it to clear the way. That's the, the idea here of this word advance. So Paul's role in these verses about the advance of the gospel was fairly passive. He just got thrown in jail. But the way he viewed that was that that was God's clearing the path. God had cleared a path to put Paul in that prison so that the whole imperial guard could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So if God is sovereign, like we have learned over these years that he is, if he is in control of, of all circumstances, and if this is his passionate endeavor to get the gospel out there, we can be confident that any and all circumstances we encounter are him chopping down what's in front of us, making a way for us to go into those circumstances to advance the gospel. Even seemingly bad circumstances, even if I was getting thrown in jail, we could say, well, that was God's advancement of the gospel. He wanted Matt to be in jail, taking the gospel with him there. And we've been through some hard circumstances together, and I know you have. We should view it through this same lens, because it's true. This is why we're here, to advance the gospel. Whatever circumstances come our way, God has cleared the path for us to go into those circumstances, to do everything we can, to share the gospel, advance the gospel more and more. So our partnership in the gospel is about upholding it together. It's about advancing it together. And lastly, it's about living it together. Look at verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Manner of life is how we conduct ourselves. And Paul thinks of their partnership in the gospel, and when I think of our partnership in the gospel, that's a huge part of it. Just our day-to-day lifestyle is to be one that is worthy of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Consider your lifestyle for a minute. If we are going to rededicate ourselves to this partnership in the gospel, this is a good place to start. Imagine a documentary film crew followed you around 24 hours a day for a month and then put together a documentary film about the lifestyle of you, the lifestyle of Julia Brock. Netflix, number one, top-rated documentary. What, what would that documentary reveal about your lifestyle? Would it be a lifestyle becoming of a Christian? Would it be a lifestyle worthy of the gospel of Christ? Now, that's a high bar. That's a, that's a high and lofty goal to seek, 
But that is what we are to be, as this passage says, striving after. And so if we're going to renew our commitment to our partnership in the gospel, that's a really good place to start. Just think about our day-to-day, how we live. He gets more specific what this looks like, a manner of life worthy of the gospel of Christ. It involves standing firm in one spirit, being deeply united together, not easily bumped off of the gospel, but standing firm together in one spirit, not easily distracted, not easily swept into the lifestyle of the world around us, but standing firm together with one mind striving side by side. So again, united just in the deepest level, thinking the same because this is what's informing our thoughts, and then side by side, shoulder to shoulder, striving together. That word striving has a competitive notion to it. It makes me think of, we've been watching a lot of volleyball with Lillian playing volleyball right now. Sometimes the team is not side by side striving together very well. Sometimes they're individuals doing the best they can, but they're not clicking as a team. But then other times it's like, man, they are side by side. They are with one mind and one spirit working together. That's what we're after. That's what we're trying to do as a church in this partnership in the gospel. With one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let's not get paralyzed during this time. Let's, um, let's see this time as an opportunity to roll up our sleeves. There's good work to be done. Any circumstance God brings our way is an opportunity to do gospel work, including what's ahead for us here. And you have a part to play. I want to encourage you to just stay committed to being here and being here with your eyes open to see, well, what part can I play? How can I be a part of this partnership in the gospel? It might be small things, like Ron Thomas making the coffee this morning for the prayer meeting. It might be uh, seemingly bigger things, like, Leveling up in your responsibility that you're taking as part of the church. Becoming a deacon or a deaconess or something like that or taking on a teaching role if that's a gift you've been giving. There's some good work for you to do in this partnership in the gospel. I think it'll become clear in the days ahead. But mainly I just wanted to point out that this is the main thing. All the emotions that get stirred up during a transition like this, there's a lot of gratitude, there's a lot of affection. There's a lot, a lot to be said. There's a lot to, that we're feeling. But let's just keep the main thing the main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our time here is short. We've only been given so much time. We've only been given so much energy. It zips fast. It goes by so fast. The main thing is that we each make the highest contribution possible to upholding, advancing, and living the gospel. And on my, as as Tom said, my penultimate Sunday, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Is living and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword. 
Thank you for how you've blessed us in this fellowship, in this partnership, in the gospel. Lord, I do pray uh, right now and today and the days to come, the weeks to come, the months to come, the years to come, the decades to come, that we would be increasingly committed and resolved to our partnership in the gospel. And whatever changes may come along the way, that you would use each and every one of us and us as a church to the maximum level of effectiveness for your kingdom. Strengthen us to uphold your gospel together in a world that is rejecting it. Give us your eyes to see our circumstances as you clearing the way for the advancement of the gospel. And please fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Together, in Jesus' name, amen.